Blog Talk Radio. Let's start the party. Yes, we're going to start this party. John Cena, while you you lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Wayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company, and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else is a Paul Heyman guy? And he split, just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me. And the fact that day in and day out, for almost six years, I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even in commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien. I'm not on Jimmy Fallon. But the fact of the matter is I should be. And trust me, this isn't sour grapes. But the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year, and I'm not makes me sick. All right, let let me get something straight. Those of you who are hearing me right now, you are just as big a part of me leaving as anything else. 
because you're the ones that are shipping out of those collector cups right now. You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at 5 in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th. And who knows, maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Cole Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still going to pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel is going to keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's going to make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? He surrounds himself with glad-handing nonsensical yes men like John Laurinaitis is going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his stupid son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon. All right? Do we do this whole bully campus? Okay, let's. <laughs> How prophetic from CM Punk. And you know what? Years later, folks, is is he wrong? Is he wrong? Um, please welcome to the show the awesome dude who has been the most loyal co-host in Russell Radio Network history. I know I'm probably kissing his ass really bad right now, but. It's the honest to God truth. So please give a warm welcome to the one, the only, awesome, awesome dude, awesome man, Pizza Simpson. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you, thank you, thank you for the kind words. And uh, what a way to start this this episode. And, uh, yes, he's absolutely correct about everything that he's saying, and he's telling you how it is, how WWE works, and it's still true. And let's take one thing that Punk said and dissect it. He, he was right. He does want fucking – Vince McMahon does want yes men around him at all times, and look what happened. It's, he, uh, he brought back John Laronitis and Bruce Pritchard, and they're going back to the 2011 mentality. He's right. He's definitely right. I mean, look at look at WWE's current status right now. I mean, they had to literally pull a former NBA player, Trey Young, to go on SmackDown Live so that SportsCenter would give them a holler. Come on, bro. Yep. And let's uh let's let's think about more what he's saying. Yeah, 
the the um, your WWF's top WWE's top stars are the guys who go on Jimmy Kimmel and go on these shows and things like that. And what's going to happen when Roman Reigns inevitably leaves? Who's next? Who's next? Nobody. That's a very good. <laughs> you bring up a good point. Let's, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Like. You bring up a very valid point. Who is next when Roman Reigns leaves? For real. Pizza Simpson brings up a very valid point. Who is going to be the Patsy? Who literally is going to come up next in line and go, oh, yeah, I'm going I'm to be that guy? Yep. And what WWE is not working right now, and I may have – I may have – some negative things to say about AEW at times, but AEW is essentially giving wrestling fans what they want. And let's 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 uh, dive in. I have a little bit of breaking news that I picked up over the weekend. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's contracts are up soon. Kevin Owens, whose as whose contract is up as soon as December. If we all remember, Kevin Owens. The former Kevin Steen is very close friends with the elite, and we could see Kevin Owens being in being in all elite wrestling by spring. It might it might be a little different because WrestleMania season is is coming around that time. But let's 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 think about it. What has WWE done with Kevin Owens since he's lost the Universal Championship? Absolutely nothing. So if you have your friends who have a sick wrestling promotion that's hot right now and they're offering less dates and a bunch of money and WWE is using you quite poor, what are you, you going to do? So if, if WWE is in a position where they don't have a next guy to take the torch after Roman Reigns and then you have their, their roster starting to deplete because they're being treated like shit, where are you gonna go? Sorry, I went on a tangent there. No, <laughs> it's actually very valid point by Pizza Simpson. They haven't really done shit with Kevin Owens, and now we're back on the turn on the turnpike with Baron Corbin. What the actual hell, dude? I mean, and Logan okay. Paul, or, and Logan Paul. What in the actual fuck? I'm sorry, pardon my French, folks, but this is getting ridiculous. You have Baron Corbin going to turn, you know, a downward spiral gimmick. You know, he's poor. He's living out of the back. We all know that's fictitious bullshit, but we just laugh because it's so fucking horrible. I mean, yep. it's it's just like, honest to God, you know, I really feel like this personally, like, I, I ugh, it makes me cringe because Kevin Owens was on a roll. The fans were absolutely eating it up. Him stunning mm-hmm. everyone in sight, and now you you put back Baron Corbin for what? What what does Moise have to yep. do? Oh, now you know I'll get to this later on my SmackDown live review. But fuck sakes, dude, really? I don't have anything against Whoa. Baron Corbin's uh, heel, you know, attributes, but I do have something a bone to pick with. Why the hell you always? There's got to be some vendetta with Kevin Owens. Every single time the man gets on a roll, oh no, somebody in the powers that be don't want Kevin Owens to fucking be up. And it just, it irritates me because the man is on a fucking roll. Sami Zayn knows how to pull a crowd. 
He knows how to get them to absolutely – Yes, he knows how to articulate. He knows how to talk. <laughs> Kevin Owens is the same thing. But I don't, I don't understand because from what I watched on SmackDown Live, it's like, wow, you – you push Sami Zayn not quite to the back of the line. You kind of put him in the middle. Kevin Owens, what, what, you know, why are we batting Kevin Owens around like he's nothing? Like, come the fuck on. He's very talented. He takes risks that no other wrestler takes on the main roster. He's, he's taking time to prove to the world and to the entire WWE universe that I'm here to fucking stay. I'm a competitor. Please look at me. And yet we keep pushing Roman Reigns Lesnar. Roman Reigns Lesnar. Goldberg Lashley. See, fuck, dude. You could put Kevin Owens on Raw and the man would absolutely succeed. Yep. Oh, and I've got a little bit more news for you that's within, like, the last hour. Samoa Joe is, quote-unquote, injured and had to forfeit the NXT championship. And personally, I think it seems all too convenient that he's got to drop the NXT title right before the NXT rebranding relaunch starts this Wednesday or no, I'm sorry, this Tuesday. I think they made him drop the title, and they're going to put it on some new some new greenhorn that's not going to be all that great. Look, I mean, the title pictures follows. I mean, look, they've got Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, let's see who's else involved in this fatal four-way that's supposed to be for the number one contendership that's probably going to end up being for the NXT title this Tuesday. I have a gut feeling. Um, uh-huh. And I, I just, I have the inkling, folks, that, let's see here, Tommaso Ciampa definitely, they would not put the title back on Ciampa to save their life. I don't know who's going to be involved other than, let's see here, there was Ciampa, O'Reilly, Pete Dunn, and, and NXT is a fucking mess. Dude, they literally broke up Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch, Pete Dunn, and Ridge Holland. So now it's just Ridge Holland, Pete Dunn. I don't know why. I, I don't have any clue as to why they keep breaking groups up. I mean, Hit Row's still together. Diamond Mind's still together. Uh, however many fuck factions are together in NXT, I don't know. I've lost count. And I'm confused because you had a good thing going with Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. The dynamic was there. So why would you... Oh, fuck, dude. Now I'm going on tangent, but it just it bogs my mind how Samoa Joe gets hurt. It really does. I mean, he was the one thing that was he was one thing that I felt interested in, you know, and invested interest in watching. And now he's injured. Yep. It's like it's like, oh boy. You know, I don't think he's injured, my friend. I think they, I think they just wanted to get the title off Karrion Cross, and Samoa Joe served a purpose. And now that now it's going to be somebody new, fresh and young, and they're going to be the new fresh face. And with with Vince McMahon being around, I could see him not liking a forty-year-old fucking big fat Samoan dude as the head of the new com- as the head of the new brand. I mean, he didn't so, like him when he was on main roster. That's the fucking problem. It, it just, it never, and then Bojo got injured while he was on main roster. And it was just, right. 
So it was just like, I don't know where they plan on going with NXT. It's kind of uncharted waters right now. It's very dangerous. Here's my, here's my theory, bro. Here's my okay. theory, bro. I think Pete Dunne is going to be your next uh, NXT champion because Pete Dunne's contract is up soon, and I could see them possibly wanting to keep Pete Dunne. Mm, that makes a good point. I mean, I, I'm just finding this today. If I'm just be honest with you, I'm in the dark about a lot of people's contracts being up, bro. I honestly have not read anything about Pete Dunne. I've not kept up with that news. I have kept up with some news, but not all. And that's news to me. Wow. Seriously. Yeah. Pete Dunne's contract is up soon and he could be leaving. He could be leaving WWE, but Pete Dunn has Pete Dunn has his fingers in NXT uh, UK, so there could be some uh, some like an executive position there. So who knows? So yeah, we're gonna have a new NXT champion soon. Let's see what else is going on. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of wanting, speaking of forcing people out the door. The Adam Cole situation was uh, came to light after <clears throat> excuse me after after Adam Cole signs with AEW he was he was on a podcast and he told, he said that um, their plan for him was him to be the new mouthpiece for Keith Lee that is a absolutely terrible idea. They see him as nothing more than just kind of like a small talk. That's just a waste, and again, that's pushing him out the door. That's a slap to the face of the dude who literally helped push merchandise for NXT. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Adam Cole literally had people in arenas. Adam Cole, baby. Like, how the hell... I'm sorry. After hearing what you just said, my mind is thinking, why would you ever put him as a mouthpiece to Keith Lee? That's like saying, oh, by the way, you're in the new Enzo, and Keith Lee is the bigger, broader version of Cass. Yeah, or like Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley. Uh. Sorry, and that 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 worked out very well for both men. By which I mean Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. Um, yeah, I bet I bet uh, I bet Vince had a look at him and was turned off was turned off by the fact that uh, he's probably like a foot taller than him, and yeah, and only saw him as a manager and just thought, you know what, just throw throw that at him. I think I think Bruce Pritchard was pushing for a something for Adam Cole just to keep him around and maybe work him into something, but he was never that that he's doomed. It's a doomed position. I feel like Adam Cole literally. I mean, one time that he came out during the Royal Rumble, 
is that not true? The man came out with tape on his ribs, you know, they gimmicked it up, and then he literally, this is just my take on it. If you're saying that Pritchard and, and Vince, yeah, I, I can see that happening because they are the same mindset that they have had for over like 20, 30 plus years of being in, around wrestling. It's like a change. Wrestling is a constantly evolving business, and if you sit there and have that attitude of Adam Cole can't contribute, wow, dude. It's a wonder why he went jump ship to AEW. Yeah, for real. For, for, for real. So that was, uh, that's pushing him out the door. And then you have, um, you have your girlfriend there. You have all your friends there. You have lesser dates. You have more money. You also have a TV product. You know, you're on TV. And uh, he'll have a shirt. He, I'm sure, you know, he had a shirt within, what, 20 minutes, five minutes after he, uh, after he debuted. So boom, he just transitioned from a top star in WWE NXT. But here's my thing: was it a good idea to bring Adam Cole in and just jam him right into the elite? Because Adam Cole is a solo star, and as long as he's over there, Kenny Omega is the number one. So I I don't know, I don't know if that was such the best idea. I mean, they, they'll they probably find something for him, and instead of, you know, force-fed idea of you're going to be, like, the leader of Undisputed, you're going to be this badass that, you know, barely wins his matches, but wins just enough, you know, to make him top star. No, look, Adam Cole is the real deal, and... He's proven it no matter what organization he's wrestled for. So, to me, I, I don't know, like you said, I am not familiar with AEW, to be honest with you folks, but I am familiar with Adam Cole's work, tidbit of it in Ring of Honor, a lot of it in WWE and NXT. When he arrived on the scene, it was just, you know, it was really cool that he messed with O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong. But now he's in AEW. You really don't want to put him in the same situation he was when he first started NXT, which was a group of guys when my partner in crime just said he's better as a solo. Yeah, I, I'm i going to wait and see. I think that AEW has this pretty great roster right now, but I think they have a little bit of an issue with execution. We'll we'll talk a, we'll talk a little bit more AEW later in the show. Some more little tidbits of news before we get to your SmackDown review. Um, Tessa Blanchard has a, like super 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 heat and is probably never going to work in wrestling again because of her racist bullying. Oh my God! Oh, dude. Um, there are a lot of women that confronted her through Twitter. Gigi Dolan, new star from NXT, said, so you you feel that you've been, um, that nothing's perfect in life, but yet you came after me on my very first day of work. And direct quotes from other people like Allison Kay and, you know, uh, Chelsea Green, they have stated that, you know, wow, you say have women's backs when I felt bullied, you know, you cornered me and you treated me horrible in the locker room. 
there's just, I mean, there's multiple women coming out saying, you really effed up. Are you really, you know, are you really that screwed in the head to be saying, it'd be nice if, you know, more women supported each other by saying positive things to one another when you're sitting around spewing negative shit. That's, that's just wrong, dude. Mm. Mm. Speaking of shit, she, uh, (laughs) I, uh, heard, I actually heard this myself. Um, she made a video of herself pooping for someone and sent it to someone. And I'm not sure if it was a boyfriend or if it was a, uh, you know, pay-to-play type of situation, but yes, she filmed herself pooping for someone, and I heard the audio. <laughs> so oh don't God. point the finger at anyone when you're making poop videos. Yeah, uh, well, want to talk about craptastic. Um, yeah, it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, so <laughs> Tessa Blanchard is a weirdo fuck who's probably going to be out of wrestling. Yeah, because she pretty much, um, well, no pun intended, she's shit out of luck. <laughs> okay, that closes out the news of the week. Um, brother, how was SmackDown? Well, uh, you know, I will tell you... Um, it's very interesting, and say the least, I have... I'm going to skip the fucking music this time, folks. So I took some notes on the September 10th edition of SmackDown Live, folks. It was live from Madison Square Garden, and the announcers had no shame in telling the attendance, which was 14,425 people who crowded the garden, you know, which that's... Uh, that may not be a big number, considering that can hold a lot more capacity, but I digress. So it showed a tribute at the very beginning of the first responders, um, how this country has moved forward since the uh, 9-11 attacks. And they showed it's a clip of Vince McMahon talking on uh, September 13th, 2001, the episode in Houston at the old Compact Center. And then um, – so I wrote these notes, and it basically – Let's see here. Night starts off with some, you know, hot action, uh, really, you know, through the microphone, but there's some action. Trust me, folks. Roman Reigns, the Usos, and Paul Heyman, they all came to the ring. The crowd, you know, this is going to be funny of me to say since I'm going to say this. Uh, Us East Coasters, dude, holy shit. They don't care who the heel is. They will always cheer the bad guy. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be back in the day Hulk Hogan and they would cheer his ass. Anyways, I digress. So it shows a promo on the screen about Finn Balor versus Ron Reigns at Extreme Rules. It also showed a promo of the Usos versus the Street Profits, the tag titles on the line. I mean, this shows a lot of pyro. A lot, a lot of pyro. So, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> There's a warm reception for Roman Reigns in New York, really warm. And it said, uh, Roman asked the crowd, acknowledge me. And it didn't even, it, there was no effort involved. I mean, I'm pretty sure that when they wrote it, they were like, oh, yeah, acknowledge me. You're in the East Coast, bitches. I mean, they're going to get acknowledged no matter what. They gave him a fucking loud-ass cheer. They gave him a loud crowd pop. Then 
after that, Lesnar comes out. The crowd just went ape shit. Okay. Then Paul Heyman tried to interject, and Brock Lesnar grabbed the microphone. And wow, a difference a year or two makes. Lesnar has gotten a little better on the microphone. I mean, it's short, sweet, and he doesn't talk much, so that makes him a lot better. Um, he said, "Why don't you tell Roman? Why didn't you tell Roman I was going to be at SummerSlam?" Then Heyman tries to reverse fields when every single member of the head of the table and the Usos just, you know, they waltzed out of the ring. And Heyman, my name is Paul Heyman, and I'm an advocate for the last 20 years, 20 years I'm an advocate for the reigning, defending, universal champion Brock Lesnar, former, I guess he said. But then, uh, let's see here. It says, before Roman... Flees the scene again You tell him to accept my challenge And you've got five seconds So before he counts down Lesnar tries to pick Heyman up And put him in the F5 And then the Usos Or no, Roman Reigns comes in Superman punch Lesnar, as usual No sells the shit Gets up, hits Roman with a clothesline Then the Usos come in and Lesnar's getting beat down for a little bit. Then, like Superman, just beat over living shit out of the Usos and sends them packing, right? Okay. So then, after that, Roman and them retreat. And then you see Kayla interviewing Heyman about will Roman Reigns accept Lesnar's challenge for the Universal Championship. After that... It skips ahead, folks, because I did watch the Hulu replay. Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, let's see here, and Sami Zayn in 10-man tag action. So it included the team of Shinsuke Nakamura, Dominic Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, Boogs, and Nakamura versus Sami Zayn, Otis. Actually, Big E. Sorry, my bad. Big E was a part of the team. My bad, folks. I messed up. Sorry. Um, it was a 10-man tag match, but, but during this 10-man tag match, Sami Zayn, brilliant mind he is, invited Trey Young, the entire fucking New York crowd, let me tell you that traitor. Trey Young, is he was a former Nick, and he just said, fuck you all, I'm going to the Atlanta Hawks. And yes, Mr. Young did get involved in this match, I mean... All he really did was pull Rey Mysterio's neck, and unfortunately, he doesn't know wrestling psychology all that well. It was part of the show anyways. He pulls Rey Mysterio by the neck and gets ejected and takes a while to get escorted back to the back. And Sami Zayn ends up taking the big ending from Big E. Voila, at the end of the match, uh, Kayla interviews Big E, says, you know, you won that briefcase. Who are you going to challenge? Big E says, it don't matter if it's Lashley on Raw. It doesn't matter if it's Roman Reigns on SmackDown. You're going to be guessing who I'm going to challenge. Because whoever is, I'm coming for your neck. That was the direct quote from Big E, the Money in the Bank ladder match winner from the men's division. And, uh, okay, so let's see here. Big E's post-interview got there. And then you see a promo for Edge and Rollins. And then they also promoted Randy Orton and uh, Bobby Lashley for Monday at the Garden. I don't know why SmackDown Live be cross-promoting, but, you know, doesn't matter. They're both main roster. Anyway, so next we have the EST of 
SmackDown, Ms. Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch's contract signing. And I love how Becky Lynch came out in a Joe Namath, like, fur coat, sunglasses, and she... I love how, you know, there's a little bit of banter with Bianca Belair. And she said, I respected Becky Lynch up until, you know, she stopped wanting to fight. And then Becky Lynch comes out, and she goes, Esther, Esther, just so you know, I, you know, I could, what if I don't sign this contract? She said, what if, you know, the match could have been tonight? She goes, you better sign that contract they forced Becky to sign. And so Becky, when she signed the contract, she threw it at Bianca, then ran out of the ring. Perfect, you know, set up for extreme rules. All right. And then during that contract signing, uh, I'm sorry, folks, let me backtrack a little bit. There was recognition for three groups, Feel Good, uh, Charity, 9-11 Day, and three day, Tuesday's Children. Those were three companies that are sponsored um, companies by WWE um, post-9-11. So let's see here. Oh, I love, love direct quotes, too. Becky Lynch said, you know, you can be a fan or you can be the man. They ought to make that a t-shirt, folks. I love it. That's Bianca Belair. It's like forcing her to sign it. Fast forward. Edge versus Rollins promo. Um, from SummerSlam, they showed Edge basically. His neck was targeted the entire match. The announcers kept mentioning that a million times. And I didn't realize this, dude. There's been 4,000 days since Edge had competed at Madison Square Garden. That's, that's that's a long time, bro. That's a very long time, and I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, let's see here. So then, before the match begins between Rollins and Edge, you see Heyman being interviewed. He says, "Don't you have anything better to do?" He says that to Kayla. The the tribal chief will answer his question in due time. So then it goes back to <clears throat> you know who has commercials, folks. So, anyways. Rollins and Edge, man, what a match, dude. Very basic uh, basic back and forth chain wrestling at the beginning of the match. Mm-hmm. And then Rollins focused on the knee. And then, let's see here, Edge actually got a cross face. I was surprised. I was like, whew, I thought that move was barred from the ring. I am wrong. I don't know what moves are not supposed to be aired on live TV, but Edge actually got a cross face in, folks. I took note of that. You know, um, the really cool thing, dude, was there's a lot of counters in the match. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there was, uh, let's see here. What was funny was Rollins hit the glam slam, and, and you hear McAfee go, <laughs> he didn't hit it clean. And then Cole goes, I think he heard you, Pat. And uh, hit the glam <laughs> slam twice, and I about died laughing. And then Edge hit the pedigree. I, I love the back and forth awesome. in this match. And then um, Edge hit the pedigree and then the cross face. Then mm-hmm. the stomp was countered right by a spear. I was like, oh my God, this is a really, really good match. Um, you know, and then it was also another, you know, time where he tried again and it was countered into a neck breaker. So there's a lot of back and forth moments. You're like, man, this got to be over. It's a pedigree. I thought Edge was going to curse on but I guess they didn't want to go too cliche in the match. Um, 
at the very end, Rollins, of course, you know, the, the score uh, one apiece uh, between was going to make the rubber match between the two. Um, when Jessica Carr wasn't looking, let me explain to you. That gives a great opening for Seth Rollins, who hits a low blow, kicks uh, Edge like three, four times with a super kick, and he goes, why won't you stay down really, really loud? And, and you know, just super kick and then curb stomp. It was real dramatic. The paramedics in the ring, I don't know if – that was a really, really good match, and I really think they left on a good note, and it made the fans, like – Real concern for Edge. The paramedics put Edge in the uh, back of the of the EMT and the vehicle, you know. And what's your main um, event? Oh no, the the main event will be Street Profits versus the Usos. And this match was also really cool because uh, Montez Ford with one Air Force, as Pat McAfee kept repeating, one Air Force was doing back handsprings and moon salts and suicide dives. That was pretty cool. I I have never seen a dude with one shoe do so many wrestling moves and just keep going. That was pretty cool. Yeah, man. Montez Ford is is uh, definitely the star of that team, and he's going to go solo at some point. He just needs to leave that comedy behind. I yes, I completely agree. But I think it was. I think it was. I'm not comical, but I'm pretty sure that it even caught maybe Jay Uso. Or Jimmy Uso off guard, like man, really? <laughs> like, yeah. And so the end of the show, like show feature, Roman Reigns broke up the count. He went into the ring, broke up the count because the Street Profits were about to win the tag titles because Montez Ford was the legal man, hits the splash from heaven up top, and then all of a sudden Roman Reigns runs in the ring, breaks up the count, the crowd boo, and then okay to cap off the night. The Usos, you know, they double-team Dawkins. They get rid of Ford. And then um, Roman Reigns says, you know what? I'm going to smash Lesnar, but before that, I'm going to smash Balor. The minute he says that, the lights dim, and you get chills coming up the spine because it's been forever and a day since we've seen the Demon King gimmick, you know, in a while. And you see, like, the Titantron... Yeah, for red red cloud and then lightning in the middle, and then you see him crawling on the on the uh, entrance ramp, and then he comes in the ring and he's staring down the Usos and Roman Reigns, and then it goes it shows the all you know incorporated thing at the end of the on the screen like uh, copyright shit. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, what a good show, even though. I'm pretty sure I missed some things. I'm definitely sure this. This is going to be a decent match now that it's the Demon King versus Roman Reigns, even though I know Demon King's probably not likely to go over Roman Reigns. It's going to be interesting. I um, I yeah, think that the, the Demon King thing was a little bit, bit done to... Uh, too much, and I'm I'm ba- I'm happy that they 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 took a break from it, and you know they're doing it again after a while. So yes, that should make it interesting. I don't know, be alright. We'll see. <laughs> It'll be alright. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, man. So that's SmackDown, huh? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Fucking A. That's cool. I thought it was, uh, you know, one of them shows where it's just like, wow, I don't... I honestly was surprised because normally it's very hard to to, to please uh, an East Coast crowd. It really is. Very, very picky on their shit. Just ask Philly about Rumble. Actually, no, I think Philly was pleased with 2018's Rumble, but New York's Madison Square Garden, that place holds a lot of history. I mean, it had the first WrestleMania. It had a lot of moments happen at, you know, Muhammad Ali, uh, Liberace, uh, Cindy Lauper. But the point is that place, you know, for SmackDown was popping. I mean, it had pyro, it had it, talking, sure it had talking, but it had action, which was good. And it got, you know, former NBA, former Nick. I mean, that's the FU to that crowd. Finally got them to fucking boo. I was like, thank you. You guys just stopped cheering for a minute. Not to be mean. Uh, I don't know if Trey Young paid for the Knicks, man. Well, it said that <laughs> he's. Well, I think was... he got all that heat because he plays for the Falcons, and uh, they were really on his ass. Yeah, he was a. Uh, he oh. was. Yeah, brother. He was. He was. A, he was drafted by the Hawks. They just played each other in the playoffs. That's why he had so much heat right now. Yeah, bro. I, I feel like you're ignorant now. <laughs> No worries, no worries. But uh, yeah, Trey Young is definitely a heel in Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Go ahead, sir. I am so sorry. You're good. You're good. Let's let's. Do you want to do a hot take or do you want to go into AEW? I think for now we should go into AEW, sir. I mean, enough we've tortured people with a poor WWE talk, so. <laughs> okay. Your boy watched uh, Your boy watched All Out, and um, it definitely was their best show. All Out kicked off with Miro versus Eddie Kingston. First, let me just say that I felt that AEW just spent so many days in a row at at this uh, venue in Chicago, but they didn't do anything to, like, jazz it up for the pay-per-view. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't look good for a pay-per-view. Like, I don't know. I just felt like I was watching another um, – I felt like I was watching another Dynamite. Eddie Kingston and Miro was uh, up first for the TNT title, and this was my kind of match. Like, I prefer strikes and suplexes as opposed to uh, – I prefer strikes and, uh, strikes and suplexes as opposed to flips all the time, and this was very, 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 very strike and suplex heavy. The, the crowd was very much behind Eddie Kingston. I think they – I personally think that they get behind Eddie's working class, working class mentality, and um, the, the 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 win was picked up by Miro after a low blow when referee Bryce Rember, Bryce Rensburg's back was turned, 
and a super kick to the side of the head. The biggest pop of the night came when Eddie Kingston fought to the ropes and broke the broke the camel clutch. I think Miro's got a dangerous camel clutch. I like that feud a lot. I hope I like this match a lot, and I hope this turns into a feud. Next up, we got John Moxley taking on former former uh, New Japan um, and sorry New Japan champion Satoshi Kojima in a good match. I really like seeing Koji on television. And this was a good match, and I, for 50 years old, Koji, Mama Koji looked very, very good. But the win, the uh, Moxley picked up the win after two paradigm shifts. The the um, this this was all about the after the the, the, the fight afterwards when when uh, wrestling legend Minoru Suzuki came out and challenged John Moxley to a match, and they had a nice little scuffle with John Moxley eating a pile driver. We're also a good start on this show. Britt Baker was up next against Chris Statlander. Britt Baker got a huge reaction from the Chicago crowd and Chris Statlander looked very very good in this match. This was the, the highlight of this the highlight of this match for me was when the ever aloof Orange Cassidy showed some fire and screamed, get the hell up at Chris Stantlander to to get her pumped up. I really liked this. This match was a this match was really good, but it took a turn it took a turn when Chris missed a missed a big moonsault off the apron with Britt just basically capitalizing for the for the last half of this match. This match saw Britt hitting her boyfriend Adam Cole's Panama Sunrise and then tapped out and then tapped out Statlander to the lockjaw. I don't like the idea of having someone's hand in my mouth for a finishing move. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Andrade's match with with Pac was supposed to be up next, but I guess Andrade had, uh, Pac had some issues. So we got no Andrade match. This is where I thought they were going to, this is where I thought they were going to use Brian Danielson, but that wasn't the case. And if they would have used Brian Danielson against Andrade here, and all, albeit this would have been a dream match, but I don't think this would have been for this would have been good for either. Next up, uh, big dog was the they really big... seriously put, huh? They really seriously put Andrade versus Brian Danielson. No, 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 my friend. I thought they were going to use Brian Danielson here to take the place of Pac, who, who was supposed to have the match. But Pac had travel issues and wasn't able to be at the show. So I thought they were just going to have – I thought they were going to have Brian Danielson take on Andrade here, but that wasn't the case. Next up was the big cage match, the Lucha Brothers, who had – the Lucha Brothers taking on the Young Bucks – the Lucha Brothers had a big entrance before, uh, before the before the match with two rappers walking them out to the ring. I what can I say about this? A lot happened in this match, so I'm not gonna call every spot and flip and and whatever you know. Because if you've seen a buck match in the last 15 years you can pretty much close your eyes and imagine what happened here. And I'm not trying to take anything away from 
from this from this and a lot of those guys, you know, those guys do some crazy things, and a lot of people really, really love this shit. So I think that this was definitely the match of somebody's life. Like this was the best match someone's ever seen, and I'm I'm happy for them. But I was I was I, I don't know. It was okay. It was okay for me. The, um. Nick Jackson is definitely the workhorse of the team, and he he absolutely killed it. He absolutely killed it in this match. This match uh, saw Matt Jackson break out a Air Jordan with thumbtacks in the bottom in the sole, and he super kicked Pentagon and Pensa Cero Miedo in his fucking face. So Pensa was bleeding pretty fucking good throughout this, throughout the rest of this match. Um, at one point, at one point, the Bucks kicked out of the Bucks kicked out of Lucha Brothers' finish, which which was a uh, double stomp package pile driver combo, and they faked as if they were going to do a super <laughs> package pile driver stomp combo from off the from off the top of the cage, but that but thankfully that didn't happen. And we saw Phoenix taking a just giant plunge as opposed to stomping someone's head in. The the finish of this match the finish of this match came this finish of the match came when Penta and Phoenix hit a double team tiger driver on one of the Bucks. Excellent match. Really good but not 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 the greatest cage match of all time. Whew, so far so good. You know, I really feel like this was a good this was a good show. Next up was the ladies the ladies casino battle royale. Um, the the winner of this was uh, the surprise entrance. The former Ruby Riot who was making her making her AEW debut for for for. Um, she was making her AEW debut, and it came. The final two came down to Thunder Rosa and Ruby, and Thunder gets her ass kicked off the fucking apron, and she was quite pissed after the match. Your winner was Ruby Soho. I'm really looking forward to Ruby Riot. Or sorry, I gotta get used to saying Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho versus Thunder Rosa. I think this is gonna be that'll be excellent. Next, uh, next. Uh, Next, we got Y2J versus MJF. Y2J is uh, putting his career on the line against MJF, and as you guessed it, Y2J won this match after failed after failed in, uh, interference from Wardlow Jack Swagger, who hasn't been around for a while, makes the save for Chris. So, so we get to see Chris Jericho more. That's great. Um, next up, um, CM Punk is taking on Darby Allen in the match that I was personally look for, looking forward to. First off, CM Punk was sporting new ring gear. Instead of doing the basketball trunks like his independent days or the regular WWE short trunk style, he went with uh, long trunks, which was which was different, but... I appreciated appreciated it, and he was taking on Darby, who I think Darby delivers in these fucking matches. Uh, sometimes I think the paint and the skateboard is kind of stupid, but these matches are fucking good, and they deliver, man. And this was definitely this definitely de- delivered to the um, 
delivered the the insanity. This match was uh, Darby. Darby was quite slowed down in this one. That it really took over when CM Punk gave Darby an hard Irish whip to the ropes, and instead of tumbling out through the top rope, Darby tumbled through the middle rope, but he hit the fucking ring post on the way down. Looked nasty, nasty, nasty. A lot of people, including myself, found this match to be very similar to the David Goli- David Goliath match from uh, 1993 when Bret Hart took on the 1-2-3 crit on Monday Night Raw and the uh, Bret kicking the shit out of 1-2-3 kid, but the plucky, the, but the plucky rookie kept fighting. Just and this match definitely had that, had those vibes. Punk kept Darby. Punk kept Darby. Um, Punk kept Darby grounded. We didn't see a lot of that breakneck pace that we're used to from Mr. Allen. CM Punk picked up the win with a go to sleep. I must tell you, my friend. I know you're going to have comments after the after this uh, description. Darby. I mean, um, CM Punk looked fucking great after seven years and the perfect person to give him in his return match was Darby Allen. What do you got, big dog? I caught glimpses of it on my Facebook feed. I also went back sure. and watched it, uh, some of it on Daily Motion. Not a lot of it because it was why people try to load the whole thing when they know it's going to be copyrighted. Um the arm drag that they did was very reminiscent of the one, two, three kid in Bret Hart or CM Punk mm-hmm. took a re- look around and was like, did he really just do that to me? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I feel like, and I've said this before on previous episodes, CM Punk has literally single-handedly helped revive AEW and turn it around completely. And match with Darby yes, Allen, yeah, the match with Darby Allen was another example of how he's helping younger talent, and I really think that that's a really big thing of him to do because he's he knows. Steampunk is very extremely knowledgeable about how to help a company along, even if it's struggling, even if it's in the doldrums, even if AEW's already winning ratings war or whatever. Steampunk just helped push it along further and made it. You know, made it what it is right now. And even though some of them may or may not admit this, a lot of them know what he can bring to the table. Hadn't competed in the ring for seven years. So, I mean, like, come on. The guy literally has proven why AEW right now may not seem appealing to some people who are hell-bent on still watching WWE like myself. But Punk is one of those guys that can literally give a match flavor. And that match... I didn't catch all of it, but I am pretty sure from what you have described, uh, definitely had fucking flavor. And you're right, David versus Goliath, because Punk is, he's bigger than Allen. Allen's not the biggest guy. I mean, I've seen him. He's scrawny, but he's scrappy. Well, I believe, like, the point I, well, the point I was going with that by David versus Goliath, is he's a Goliath in the sense that he's far, 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 far advanced than him in wrestling experience. I feel that Punk, what Punk does for AEW, it, 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 it brings, 
it kind of brings back the potential fan that was jaded and stopped wanting to watch. And seeing that it brought Punk, who, if anybody who knew what about knew anything about this situation knew that when he left WWE he was fucking jaded and pissed off and he was pretty much I, I'm fucking done with wrestling. So if this company was able to get it was able to get him back in the ring and bump it around, it definitely is worth something. And I'm interested in seeing what happens next. And speaking of up next, up next we had. QT Marshall in the popcorn take a piss match against the Big Show, and um, that's what exactly what this was. This was uh, this was your chance to take a shit after too many nachos, and <laughs> Big Show won obviously with a choke slam. And in the main event, I'm not going to go, like I said, I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Like, I'm going to give you the same description that 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 uh, I gave for the Bucks match where a ton of stuff happened. So I'm not going to call all that. But what, I'm gonna, what I am going to tell you about is what happened afterwards. Adam Cole showed up, and he made it seem as if he was going to attack the – attack the elite but he of course super kicked Christian and they they whooped up on him a little bit until Brian Danielson made the save and the Jurassic Express came down to even up the score and um, yeah Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debuted wow let's let's yeah, that's your that's your all out review, and um, fucking shit, man. We had a bunch of shit happen. Adam Cole debuts, then we get Brian Danielson, then we got Ruby Soho, we got Minoru Suzuki on the fucking show, we had Satoshi Kojima on the show, we had CM Punk returning from returning from his hiatus. We got we got a match that some people are saying is one of the is one of or if not his match of all time. This was by far AEW's best show. And one thing that I have always complained about with AEW is AEW has very very bad pace. They they do a good match and a bad match. A bad match, a good match and you're just hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. And I feel that it should be, you should build a good main event and then you leave instead of what they do. This was definitely a step forward for them. And WWE should very much 100% be fucking nervous. I think they are, my friend, because of the limited roster that they have to work with. It's the same people. It's like they're rotating. Uh, well, they, you know, we'll have this angle going uh, this week. I'm just guessing. I'm not, you know, for sure. Like, oh yeah, this is how it goes, folks. <laughs> WWE's big problem is it's the same fuckers. It's the same people week in and week out. There's no fresh faces. You want to shake shit up. Um, you know, Extreme Rules is coming up. And instead of all the years that you've been avoiding lawsuits and complaints by the Karens and Kens, 
take note of what AEW is doing, dude. I mean, despite them having, you know, what my partner in crime was saying, they're giving it their all to give the fans a fucking variety. They're not, you notice the Young Bucks actually lose. The Kenny Omega actually lost, not booking for himself no more. Hopefully, cross fingers. The thing is, the the difference, the major night and day difference between both AEW and WWE is that AEW is fucking making headlines. WWE, they had to call upon an NBA star that's a rival of the Knicks to get a fucking crowd pop. And it makes sports centers. I mean, both are making efforts. Not that the WWE is not making effort. It's just annoying that it's the same people that you rotate in and out. We've already seen Lashley versus so-and-so. So now you're rotating him against Orton. Okay, cool. They might actually have a decent match Monday. But Roman Reigns versus Balor. Okay, that surprised some of us that they actually had a... A decent length match, but I digress, folks. I' sorry, I'm taking up pizza's time. <laughs> um, oh, now we gotta follow it up. It's quite all right. We gotta we follow it up with AEW Dynamite. And first things first, let me tell you, um, we get we get a nice little highlight package from All Out. I'm not going to talk about that because I already did. I'm going to try to keep this as short and fast as possible. Um, highlight package from All Out. We only had two people, and we only had three people in the booth to the, on this show, which I completely appreciate. I don't dislike Excalibur. I think that it's it is smart. It's a little smarter to have someone in the who someone from that independent world who has a mind for independent wrestling and who can call these moves and can be like. Oh, there's the Toshi Kojima, and here's all these people. So if you are a casual viewer, a casual viewer, and you're seeing this show for the first time, and you're seeing a wrestler that you've never seen, they give you a little backstory. I appreciate that. But on this episode, we only had three people in the booth, and I very, very much appreciate it because we have three pros, Taz, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross, all three guys who know how to get through this shit and not step on each other's toes. Malachi Black was your – Malachi Black versus Big Dustin Rhodes was your first match. And, man, bro, the, the whole presentation with Malachi Black, he's – it's cool. It's just downright fucking cool. And secondly, Dustin Rhodes for being being in his upper 50s, or in his 50s, I should say. I don't know how old he is, but I know he's in his 50s, and he's working his fucking ass off, and he looks fucking great. And he's, he's getting in the ring with some of these young guys, and he's blowing them the fuck up. <laughs> he's getting in there with some of these young guys, and he's blowing them. No, I'm kidding. And uh, Malachi Black picked up the win after a roundhouse. This was a pretty sick match. Dustin Rhodes had a fucking destroyer at one point. whole bunch of promos. I don't really like promos, so Lucha Brother promo. Then we got a highlights of Eddie Kingston and Miro. Sam Punk was up next. Man, they've had him on every fucking show since he's uh, debuted, so... That's a lot of CM Punk. He's moving on to his next person, who I think is going to be Ricky Starks, because 
during 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 the promo, Taz interrupted him and said, "Keep your fucking name out of uh, keep our names out of your fucking mouth." He, he referring to Team Taz because Punk's on a podcast. Some of the people he would like to work with, and he wanted to work with the Team Taz guys. So, uh, yeah, we we should look out for Taz versus. I mean, excuse me, CM Punk versus Will Hobbs or Ricky Starks. I'm not looking forward to that. Proud and powerful, a proud and powerful promo, basically saying that um, at FTR, anytime you want it, come get it. Ruby Ruby Soho was up next, who was interrupted by Britt Baker. We got a Will Hobbs squash match over Dante Martin. What a what a way to uh, keep the keep the momentum going for young Dante after having a good showing against the Elite and their guys. He's been just getting his ass kicked from week out, week in and week out. Powerbomb, Powerbomb was uh, Powerbomb spelled doom for the young Mister Martin as Will as uh, William Hobbs picked up the win. Next up, Dan Lambert was uh, Dan. Man, I've been talking. Up next is Dan Lambert. He came out with Scorpio and Ethan Page. I guess he's going to be the mouthpiece of. For anybody who doesn't know who Dan Lambert is, he is the head. He's the head trainer of MMA's American Top Team, who's produced some excellent fighters. I don't know them off the top of my head because I didn't write them down. Dan Lambert is a avid wrestling fan who is a big belt collector, and he can cut a hell of a promo. MJF MJF is up next. Guess what he did? Another promo. He came out and talked a whole bunch of he he talked a whole bunch of shit to Cincinnati and and the family who was in the crowd. Brian Pillman Jr. came out to defend his honor, defend their honor, but he came off like a child who hasn't had puberty left puberty yet. Boom! John Moxley promo. Who cares if that Jamie Hayter, who was the hired gun for Britt Baker, hired to soften soften up Ruby Soho, who picked up the win with a sweet kick to the face. They were gonna kick. They were gonna beat up. Uh, they were gonna beat up Ruby after the match, but Riho and Statlander made the save. I wonder if there's gonna be a six man tag soon. <laughs> you already know what was up next. Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. I didn't watch that. I'm not. I'm telling you, I'm not watching that shit. I'm not. Spear, uh, the pinnacle of Spears and FTR was up next. They took on the seemingly feuding with themselves Dark Order. It was John Silver, who's definitely star of the group, and his partners Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. The FTR pick up the win after after some sort of DVD, like a Death Valley driver kind of thing, and there was a there was a miscommunication and Dark Order lost. They fought each other a little bit afterwards, and the returning Anna Jay, who has fucking star written all over her, came out and told them to get their fucking shit together and stop fighting like a bunch of fucking children. That's not what they. That's not what she said. But I'm paraphrasing. Tully, uh, Tully Blanchard finally got some uh, promo time, and this is something I wanted to see because Tony Schiavone was interviewing Tully Blanchard on TNT in 2021. 
That was a lot of teas, and that made me happy because I'm an old head. I don't remember what he was talking about, though. Sorry. Sammy Guevara was in the picture-in-picture. That is that is meaningless. So whatever he said, I can't tell you because it was in the picture in picture. <laughs> so elite. So so out next was the elite and Adam Cole promo. I I didn't want to hear all this talking, so I fast forwarded until Brian Danielson came out and they were beating up on him a little bit, and then Jurassic Express and Christian hit the ring and. I'm hoping that we get some kind of some kind of like Survivor Series style match soon, or at least a four uh, an eight man tag or something with involving Brian Danielson and and uh, Jurassic Express, and I think that'd be fucking cool taking on the Elite. In the main event, John Moxley takes on Japanese legend Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki is 53 years old, mind you, who looked absolutely fantastic in this ex- in this excellent brawl, which saw Suzuki heart getting a little hard way blood, and Suzuki lost to Moxley after eating a double arm DDT. I very much, I very much like seeing Minoru Suzuki on American television. So if AEW wants to keep doing little shit like bring Suzuki and Kojima to TV, they're definitely gonna win me over because that's the kind of stuff I like. And um, yeah, man, I didn't watch, I didn't watch Rampage this week because my plate was full, and I already watched the pay per view and. And dynamite. So, and I had a big show to watch for a slice of pizza. So I had to make some choices. So that's your AEW report for the week. Like I said, if you don't listen to this man, you are missing out. And you just made the list. Okay, seriously. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, so, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to segue into a show that has won my heart and should win your hearts. And if it doesn't, like I said, you guys are seriously missing out on this discussion. We not make this show one-dimensional. We made this uh, two-dimensional, three-dimensional. We make it multi-dimensional, folks. Okay, that's time. I'm vocabulary cha- vocabularily challenged. Sorry. Um, so without further ado, the following content may or may not contain expletives that are not suitable for minors under the age of 18. If they go and repeat it at school, shame on them. I digress. This, uh, the following content also contains opinions and viewpoints that may not or may that are not directed or reflective opinions reflective upon WWE, APJW, MPJW, ICW, GCW, and various other professional wrestling organizations. Wrestle Radio Network is not responsible for if you get offended or butthurt by said opinion of the one, the only, Pizza Simpson. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is a new feel because I finally tinkered around long enough for this microphone to fucking work. And two, please give this man the floor and 
<laughs> Get ready, because you're about to take one hell of a ride, and it's only just beginning. Technical difficulties. <laughs> if you would have cut it any sooner, you would have like heard me singing. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Here we go. No worries. Um, I got I got two contrasting shows this week. I went with a all ladies show, and I went with a classic IWA Mid South. Show and uh, first we got the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix 2021 Day Nine. How long do these fucking tournaments go on for? Jesus Christ! So um, yeah, Stardom had their 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 Five Star Grand Prix going, and it um this this of this show came with no commentary, which I kind of like sometimes. And whatever was said in Japanese had English subtitles to help out a dork like me who doesn't speak Japanese. So, uh, yeah, man, this was a pretty fun show. I really liked watching this, and this was kind of easy on the eyes because the venue seemed kind of like a uh, conference room from a hotel. And I just thought that was just awesome. And it really looked spacious. I don't know. This looked like it happened like on like a Tuesday afternoon at like five. Oh, that'd be great. You know, just bop in, you know, some happy hour, you know, to have a sake. But um and uh check out a sweet house show. First up, uh we had a young lady in the ring who was coming out challenging people saying she wants to have a match, but she's like the cutest girl you've ever seen, so it's kinda hard to decide is is she being a dickhead or what? So she had a match again. She was she was stopped by Unagi. She was stopped by Unagi Sayaka. Unagi Sayaka. Sorry, I did not practice my pronunciation. So please bear with me. And she said, if you're going to challenge anybody, you're going to have to go through me. So that's set up a match later in the show. The Five Star Grand Prix, by the way, is a big long tournament, and the winner gets the pick. To get to pick the match against a title holder. First up, we got Funagi De- Fugen Death, who is a young lady working a clown gimmick 
and she was taking on Hanaya, or ha, uh, sorry, ha, ha, she was taking on Hannah, and Mugen picks up the win with a roll-up in a funny comedy match. Next up, we got Unagi taking on the woman now known as Natsupoi, and this after a after a little comedy, this ended up after some this ended up a double countout after a fun little brawl. I enjoyed this match, but this match was definitely a, was this whole show was definitely building up to the main event. Um, in the first round of the Grand Prix, Mayu Utwani, Iwatani was taking on Rina in the first round, and and um, um, Mayu was very very upset because she lost another she lost another team member to the the hated Odutai. Maya Mayu picks up the win with a nasty dragon sleeper uh, with a modified dragon sleeper. It looked fucking nasty, brother. Fucking nasty. Uh, next up, we had Julia taking on Maya Sakura, and uh, Julia is just one of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now. She's so fucking awesome. She looks like a character from Resident Evil. Like she looks like she could just be killing zombies. Julia Julia won the match after a really nasty S, like modified STO clutch move, maneuver that just was a fucking nasty submission hole. Let's just really hammer that home. And after the match, Julia and Mai showed each other by. They showed each other respect by slapping the shit out of each other, and I'll explain how that's respect. That by uh, by slapping your opponent, I mean slapping someone in the face like that. That's almost like you're passing on their passing on power, and you're you're saying get strong, you know. I I, I really like this, and I feel that Maya is gonna look really good down the road, and Julia is just a fucking star, and I would not be surprised if WWE went after her. She's she's beautiful. Himika took on Mina Shifakawa in another in another uh, first round match, Mina picked up the win after a gigantic power bomb, but Himika looked quite good against the much bigger, much bigger opponent. Kunami took on Takumi Iroha in, a, in another in another first round match with Konami picking up the win after reversing the running power bomb into a roll up. So yeah, so far I really like this. I really like this show. It was just moving on. It's good matches. The crowd they they were doing funny stuff to keep the crowd happy, but they were moving shit along, which I like. I don't want to be at a. I don't want to be somewhere for four hours watching a bunch of bullshit. Like, get us home, man. Two hours. So the main event of this. The main event of this show was the rematch from from June with Shuri challenging Utami Hashita. Uh, this is their this is the rematch from their this is the rematch from their 45 minute Broadway where they had 35 they they wrestled for 35 minutes straight and they asked for another 15 minutes and they were granted said 15 minutes but that that didn't end anything. So Shuri and Utami picked up right where they left off with beating the fucking ever-living shit out of each other. This was 
fucking awesome. Utami powerbomb Shuri on the floor. There was running knee strikes. There was there was a, a just basically power bomb after power bomb, and Shuri Shuri was landing these super sweet chokes and had had a, a some sick fucking had some sick fucking judo style offense. Shuri kicked out of Utami's just disgusting, and I mean disgusting in a good way. Spitting torture rack bomb. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And as you guessed it, this match ended in a 20-minute draw. And after the match, the two, the, two, the two competitors showed each other respect. And um, due, to the, due to the closed captions, I was able to, I was able to get a translation of the, uh, translation of the promo. And um, Shuri told Utami that she is, she's going to win the entire tournament so that she can have the right to challenge Utami again. I love this. This is simple but effective storyline writing. And this makes me want to. This makes me want to continue to. This makes me want to watch this. And Shuri and Utami definitely have the feud of the year. Shuri is looking to defeat Utami and win Stardom's big championship. And Utami is trying to keep that belt. And she's showing the young Shuri respect. But she's saying this title's mine. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here. So that's the first half. And the Second half, because you know me, I gotta watch some blood and guts. And I I watched, I dug deep into the into the archives, and I stumbled upon IWA Mid South 2002 House of Hardcore Second Anniversary. What a fun show! That definitely, definitely, definitely had some stuff to talk about. This was this this started this this show began with a thirty minute promo from Ian Rotten, who personally I'm surprised who I'm surprised was even walking because at the last show, the uh, heel team was pro- comprising of a bunch of guys with bull paint. They locked themselves in the cage with Ian Rotten separating from his team and basically beat him in his head until he probably had like fifty concussions. For real, bro, it was disgusting and it. it and Ian Ian Rotten's wife, Patty, had to get in there with a stick and basically had to try to fight these guys off her husband with a stick. It was it was funny. It was pretty funny. So uh, Ian's going into his long ass promo, and he's uh, telling us that um, Gangrel's not going to be there, which prompted Bull Payne, Bull Payne to come out and call everybody in the call everybody in the audience a bunch of ugly motherfuckers. And Gangrel's a pussy for not showing up. <laughs> so we're off to a great start. And Bullpain's partner, the rugby thug, yes, the rugby thug, was, uh, they set up the I Quit match later. We're going to have Bad Breed taking on the rugby thug and Bullpain in a I Quit match. First up in your opener to this uh, little doozy here, Brad Bradley took on Dysfunction. Brad Bradley was quite bigger than Dysfunction, and he kicked his fucking ass and won the match with a spinning release brain buster thing that looked pretty fucking dangerous. Uh, Adrian Serrano, someone I never heard of, was taking on Cashflow. 
I knew who Cash Flow was because I've seen, I mean, I've heard his name a bunch of times, and I've always thought that was just a hilarious name. Adrian Serrano had everything that an independent wrestler in 2002 would have. He had kick pads he had, that were matching his tights. You know, they were sky blue. He had a, he had a Ric Flair robe. He had the big gold belt over his shoulder for some reason. It was pretty ridiculous. After uh, after Serrano, who was working a like shooter grappler type of uh, angle the whole match, he missed a flying elbow drop in Cashflow. Cashflow picked up the win after a big old fucking leg drop from the top rope. Next up, we got Vic Capri taking on a very young Cole Cabana. Vic Capri was a was a was an independent star from the Midwest and the Chicagoland area. Vic Capri picked up the win over the plucky upstart Colt Cabana with a slice bread number two off the top rope. In a uh, that was pretty sick though. Todd Morton versus Mitch Ryder. Todd Morton and Mitch Ryder versus, versus Mitch Payne. Uh, I'm sorry, Mitch Page and Roland Hart in a false count anywhere match was, which was a pretty good brawl. They brawled all around. This was your uh, normal 2002 brawl with thoughts and chairs and some glass. But um, <laughs> what, what came what came next was another 40 minute promo. Jesus Christ! No wonder this show is four fucking hours. <laughs> So Mitch Payne, who was bloody, he lost Mitch. I'm sorry, Mitch Ryder, who lost the the fall for his team, was kicked out of the bad motherfuckers by Bull Payne, because he said, "You're not a bad motherfucker. You keep losing. You're the weak. You're the weakest link. You're gonna need to get the fuck out of here." So Todd Morton and Bull Payne put the boots to Mitch for a little bit. And so uh, Mitch got on the mic and <laughs> begged for his forgiveness and said, please, Bull, let me back in the, mother, in the motherfuckers and uh, I won't let you down. So Bull got on the mic, called everybody ugly motherfuckers and pieces of shit. I'm serious. This is what he's saying. And then he says, I have something that you don't have, and that's friends. And he let Mitch back into the bad motherfuckers. Hilarious segment. Hilarious segment. I really, really, really thought that was awesome. <laughs> he said, you motherfuckers don't have friends. Fuck you. <laughs> and this is a bad motherfucker barking, who's literally barking it at us. <laughs> and, uh, a little pre- and a little pre-Chikara era, Mike Quackenbush, who was rocking a mustache, which I thought was hilarious, was taking on a was taking on sexy Ace Steel for the IWA light heavyweight championship, but there wasn't a physical light heavyweight championship, so they were fighting for a concept idea, basically. So they were fighting for the idea of being the light heavyweight champion, but there was no physical title. I don't know. So... <laughs> after a pretty sick, after a pretty sick match. Again, I'm not call, I'm I'm not gonna be able to call all this, but uh, at one point, A still hit a really nasty, really tight, gory bomb on Mike Quackenbush, and uh, Ace picks up the win with a really nice flying DDT. 
And after this match, this was when the, the, the show kind of takes a turn. Not in a bad way, but it feels like the first half of an IWA show is is all, you know, great indie wrestling and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah, Mike Quackenbush and Ace hugged it out after the match because there was respect and stuff like that. So with with IWA shows, there's the first half is great wrestling, and the last half is fucking blood and guts and tables and ladders and shit. And this is what we got here with Ian, Ian and Axel Rotten, the famed bad breed making a fabled comeback against Trent Baker and Bull Payne. This was wild. They blood, they fought and bled everywhere, obviously. Barbed wire, you know, the whole nine. I I do think at one point Axel gave the rugby thug Trent Baker a fucking concussion because he looked out on his feet. And so the pin came when Ian and Axel tied Trent's arms to the ropes, you know, crucifixion style, and they both had chairs in their hand, and obviously they're going to give them a concerto. And uh, so uh, Axel puts the mic to his to his face and, you know, says, do you quit, do you quit? And so Trent picks up that he's going to get his fucking shit bashed, and he does. So they win the match essentially. So Ian and Axel go ahead and bash this kid's head in, and, uh, yeah, he looked like he died. So um, yeah, that was that. That was a uh, that was a great start. Uh, so next up we had CM Punk taking on Chris Hero, and this was a young Punk, and my God, his uh, he, he my God, he just cussed everybody out. He was just telling everyone to shut the fuck up and fuck you and. He was just talking shit through the entire fucking thing, and uh, I love it. And um, this uh, match took a turn when Punk brought an old ladder, like one of those big old working, you know, one of those big old ladders from work <laughs> into the ring. And, uh, yeah, dude, they just, they just fucking gave each other nasty-ass table spot after table spot after table spot, which saw CM Punk giving... He, uh, Chris Hero's valet, a tombstone from the apron, through a table, and then a super power bomb through a table. Then we saw Hero hit a torch, a spinning rock bottom onto a chair, and then Hero hit a fucking super Russian leg sweep off the balcony through two tables. And you would think that would be, you would think that would be the finish, but it wasn't. There was still a on more, and we're at the 50-minute mark. Punk hit, punk hit, uh, hero with a flying, with a flying pedigree off the top rope. A bunch of shit happened, dude. A bunch of shit happened. I'm surprised none of these guys died. This match, this match, this match was won by CM Punk after Chris Hero was reaching, was who was reaching for the IWA Mid South Championship. Punk pushed Hero off the ladder. Hero fell through a ladder, and the the title, the title belt, fell into Punk's hand, which was an excellent. I feel that was an excellent, excellent finish. After the match, there was a there was a big, 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 big celebration. They the entire locker room poured out for these guys and was just showing respect. And I really appreciate this because I think those you know we 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 give the uh, Kentucky fans 
we give that area a hard time for their, you know, their from where they're from, but they do know they do know some wrestling and they do appreciate good wrestling. And they definitely knew that they saw something special on, on this night. And yeah, this was definitely a great match. This was an hour long TLC match that did not stop. And speaking of not stopping, we still have one more match because it would not be an IWA show without some uh without an actual death match and I don't even think this was a death match or this was a match with a title. They just sent out three blood guys and they fucking of course made it bloody. Madman Pondo taking on Corporal Robinson taking on the Necro Butcher in a three way uh in a three way I'm just gonna call it blood and guts. <laughs> they had a three way blood and guts match. There's a bunch of shit going on. Madman Pondo came out with hedge clippers, which is just kind of scary to me. So there was power bombs on some tags, and then like a bunch, like a bunch of people got hit in the head with a stop sign. There was a um, Madman Pondo put like a chair on on um, Necro's head, and then did, and then like sent on it, so that had to suck. And then there was glass. You know, there was, bro, there was, there was glass. I should, I shouldn't even just, I should be able to say deathmatch guys at this point and just, you should just know that there's glass in it. So there was glass in it, of course. And this actually wasn't one by one person, even though this was three, three guys, uh, a three-way dance. Um, oh, I forgot to say. <laughs> I left out the best part. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. For some reason, Madman Pondo had a had a had some kind of trophy. They didn't say what the trophy was, so they like jammed light tubes into it. And for some reason, so they made this like light tube trophy monstrosity. So Corporal and Necro just tossed, <laughs> just threw. Pondo onto it, and they both pinned him, and they and they were the winner. They just declared those two guys the winner, and so Corporal Robinson and Necro pinned Madman Pondo in a gross match to close out this classic review of IW Mid South House of Hardcore's second anniversary. That and that's your episode of Slice of Pizza. <laughs> wow. <laughs> My goodness, I I'm so I commend you, dude, because that what you told me IWA was a very long show, my God, and you a trooper got through that. that. Yeah, it was four hours. I had to watch it in two sittings because it was just so fucking long, and yeah. I didn't dislike the show. But after a while, you're just you're just like I can't I can't fucking I gotta watch something fucking else. And um, I don't know. I just wanted to dig into the fucking catalog. I didn't, you know, I had all this stuff at my disposal, and I I know that I was talking to you during the course of this week, and what I really wanted. So my my uh, my um, my um, my idea for this week for for um, for a slice of pizza since. Uh, we were going to talk about CM Punk's 
first match back in seven years. I wanted to talk about one of his one of his big matches before he really got big and what kind of put him on the map in a way because at that time tape trading was still a thing and CM Punk and Chris Hero has had had this was like the the beginning of their heralded feud and this you know they had this fifty minute you know this fifty five minute fucking TLC match. I think they have like an hour long or seventy five minute long match that leads to like their ninety five minute match. Like they you know they got a bunch of shit going on, and I wanted to highlight his comeback and one of his first matches. So I think like the motif was definitely Sam Punk. Oh yeah. <laughs> and um, that, ladies and gentlemen, was, I mean, that was extremely insightful, full life review of the system by AWA Mid-South. And a lot of big names came through IWA Mid-South promotions. So you got Chris Taylor, you got Quackenbush, you've got Punk, you've got Hero, a lot of names that a lot of people, some of you are unfamiliar with and some are. I'm vaguely familiar with some of these, not just because of NXT. It's not the I've seen I have seen some of these guys at Wrestling Revolver shows in Iowa. But I do want to point out, I mean, look at the names that came through there. CM Punk being the major one, Hero being another, um, just names in general. So I'm going to skip past repeating the word names <laughs> and uh I'm gonna you know what, tonight, I am going to focus on the improvement of SmackDown. I mean, this is, you know, this is not well talked about because right now everyone's so focused on the negatives uh, going on in wrestling so far as, like, because they have reason to. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the following content contains expletives, and I will focus a tidbit on Tessa Blanchard, not too much. I don't want to drive that poor, poor subject into the ground. It's going to focus on it for a brief hiccup, okay? But for now, folks, we ask that you please understand the following content contains expletive language not appropriate for minors under the age of 18. We ask that you please implore those who are under the age of 18 to not listen to this segment, because why? If you do put Put cotton in your children's ears. My language is not that pretty. I drop more F-bombs than D-Day. Off the Rails Uncensored is a trademark podcast that has been coined the phrase Off the Rails Uncensored since March 7, 2016. Any reproduction or likeness thereof of Off the Rails Uncensored will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. All right. All right. Well, let me just uh, see if I can... Shoot up some really nice music to go with this shindig, you know. It is Sunday. Happy NFL Sunday. Fuck the Chiefs. Uh, oh, and, um, let me see here. Oh, yes, here we are. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs>
right. I'm Let's... a cult of personality. Oh, my bad. <laughs> You're good, dude. Um, so, you know, I want to get this party started. I'm going to get uh, the subject of Blanchard out of the way. When, when and where, why she decided to deny allegations and then go on like it was nothing, allow me to introduce you to reality. When you are a cancer in the locker room, when you are the person that decides they're going to be the biggest asshat on the face of the planet and decide that, okay, I'm going to deny that I was racist. I'm going to deny that I was a bully. That, my dear Tessa, is a no-no. And this is why my partner earlier stated you will no longer be working in the world of professional wrestling until you actually come clean. And it's not going to make fucking matters any easier that you sat there and literally straight up responded to one of the women who said, well, gee, you know, you want to say women should support each other and be there for one another. What kind of delusional world are you living in? I would like to understand what, you know, if someone makes a mistake, fess up to it. Fess up, dear, because the minute that you do is the minute that they're not going to immediately go and hug you and sing Kumbaya in a campfire circle. What they're literally going to do is probably say, you know, it's going to take some time, but I'm glad you finally came forward and, and, and manned up and said that you were wrong. But instead, you made it about yourself on the tweets and said, well, hell, nobody's perfect, and I had a hard time. So in other words, you stroked your own ego instead of making matters easier for yourself by apologizing, saying, admitting you were wrong, which is, you know, it's hard to admit you're wrong when you know exactly what you did, and that was spit on a black woman. And straight up call her the N-word. Dude, really? That's even worse that it was overseas. <clears throat> oh, and bullying people in the locker room. I don't, I'm don't. i not one to be an advocate for people who are bullies and, and just get their way just because they're bigger or just because they have clout or because their name is Blanchard or Orton or whatever. That's just straight up wrong. I am one that is, if you are in the same line of work that I am, I'm going to try and work with you as best I can, not like, okay, you know, I supposedly going to be in this position and you're beneath me, blah, blah, blah. Like, honestly, dude, that's the lowest of the low. And that's the really irritating factor about Tessa Blanchard is that she sat there and acted like nothing was wrong, acted like everything was completely okay. And to wrap that up, wrap up my feel on Tessa Blanchard is I feel that people like her who go through life treating others like they were the dirt between their toes is like really, you know, that's not who I'm going to cheer for. That's not who, uh, whose t-shirts I'm going to go purchase on pro wrestling tees or wherever you can purchase Blanchard shit. Oh, sorry. No pun intended. Um, you know, moving on, let's just say the following. Wow. What a, a night and day difference for SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown. And um, I have to tell you, I, I read this, and I'm, I'm really impressed because it says overnight ratings increase for loaded show. And this is according to WrestlingNews.co, <clears throat> where it says the overnight ratings for Friday Night SmackDown 
Okay, is literally going to be up because it says the episode drew an average of 2.217 million viewers from last Friday SmackDown episode that did an average of 2.147 million viewers, uh, according to Spoiler TV. The first hour did 2.206 million viewers. The second hour did 2.27 million viewers. To compare a week ago, the first hour had 2.141 million viewers, and the second hour had 2.153 million viewers. I just want to point out to everybody that had watched SmackDown this Friday, whether they were there at Madison Square Garden, whether you was watching it on Fox. I liked the fact that they pulled interest and intrigue during the whole goddamn show. Why? Because let me read from prior segment in the show, okay? Just brief synopsis here. Roman Reigns comes out, okay? And he's with Paul Heyman. And you don't have a droned out Paul Heyman speech. I love Paul, but there was no overstaying his welcome. It was very well thought out. It was by far one of the best things I had seen to begin the show. Not to say that SmackDown had never started off with a bang before because they have. But that instance, when they started off the show with the head of the table and the Usos, and then Lesnar comes out and the crowd just goes apeshit. And then the night progresses and it gets even better because they don't have so many talking points. They just had straight up matches. And the only talking that was going on was backstage. So the ratings, as they put in this report, have increased. Allow me to tell you this. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Go up. To 2.217 over 2.147? Sure, it's numbers that I'm going by. But you know what? If I had my choice of watching Raw or SmackDown, even though it is my duty as a journalist, uh, well, I shouldn't say journalist, outside journalist, if you will, a podcaster, it is to report to you what the fuck is going on in the world of professional wrestling. If it was worth watching again, if it was not worth watching again, so on and so forth. And SmackDown has proven to, well, others and myself that it's worth watching. I didn't want to bang my head against a set of rocks. I didn't want to just, you know, start doodling for no reason. To you know, just stay focused on tonight because, well, you know, the limited amount of talent that WWE has on the main roster, it's nice that SmackDown has a rotation. And sure, they cluster fucked it with a, a ten man tag match, but at least that ten man tag match did not drag on and on like a normal ten man tag match for WWE does. Also, the fact that Lesnar articulated a lot better than he had before so he's making improvements holy shit he's making improvements uh finn balor brought back the demon king 
All I can say is it's about damn time. And I'm very, very thankful that I had very little negative to say about Friday's show. Because, I mean, if it's before 9-11 on Saturday, and it's two weeks before Extreme Rules, they are finally learning. I shouldn't jinx it, but they, WWE, as in they, are finally learning that you have to play this chess game with AEW, and you have to book accordingly. I know they originally had Orton and Lashley at uh, Extreme Rules for the uh, WWE Championship. And I heard that they were playing this chess match because they knew better. They, it's in response in accordance to what AEW was doing. Smart, smart move. Let me get back to SmackDown. That also could be the case for, you know, for SmackDown. The way they had booked shit you know, with Seth Rollins and Edge. I love the fact that WWE is slowly but surely showing signs of actually trying. I mean, it's just... It's... Oh, man. I'm not getting teary-eyed. I'm, I'm actually thankful that I was able to sit down, watch a replay of Friday Night SmackDown, and actually enjoy it. The whole It may not have had the epic confrontation between Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. It may not have had some surprises from the night at Madison Square Garden like they had wanted you know, with The Undertaker originally. But The Undertaker said, no, I'm, I don't think I'll be joining you. It would have been cool, but I mean the man's retired. He must stay retired. I hate saying that. He <clears> – <throat> I digress, folks. What I am saying to you is an essential sentiment, which is, yes, WWE is lacking in some areas. Actually, a lot. But SmackDown is compensating for said lacking areas of interest, intrigue, desire to watch their programming. It's only got maybe an expansion of maybe like ooh, 11 to or 11 to actually 12 to 14 guys. There we go. That's a fair, it's a fair assessment. I didn't get the demographic from the 18 to 50 year olds, but um, SmackDown is definitely appealing to me now. It's slowly but surely coming around. Also, the fact that Dawkins and four, or yeah, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Wow, they like are the true, in my opinion. To me, they're like the modern-day Harlem Heat. They're a bunch of high flyers. One's ground and pound. The other one's light on his feet. Can definitely probably do a spin rooney Or he can do different dances like the twerk. I don't know what the fuck these kids are doing these days dance-wise, but he can do it. And the fact that the man, Montez Ford, was wrestling with one fucking shoe. Like, seriously, it was... Interesting to see that action on TV because I seldom see a competitor that can actually wrestle without you know a boot, let alone a shoe. Also, yes, the tag team division is a bit thin on SmackDown, considering they got the Usos and Chad Gable and Otis and 
Well, let's see here. They got very limited tag team, let's just say that, in the men's division and women's. So, <laughs> yes, WWE has a lot to figure out with um, extreme rules coming up and Survivor Series to follow after whatever fucking pay-per-view WWE has in October. Probably going to have Halloween Havoc to go through NXT again. Hopefully it's better than last year's Halloween Havoc, but... What I'm getting at, folks, is if you, if we're being honest here, so far the content and the quality is slowly, eventually, actually not slowly, but surely, but surely improving upon when it comes to SmackDown, the blue brand, the beacon of hope now for WWE. Because NXT is getting rebranded, they're getting resurfaced, they're getting a makeover, don't know if it's going to help the face. And culture of NXT because once upon a time that was my focus. Now it's back to the blue brand. I had once upon a time focused on SmackDown Live. That was what it was called. And yeah, you get the point. I focus on what interests me, which is what a you know what a normal fan would do, right? If I like a show, I'm gonna watch it. And SmackDown On Fox, nonetheless, they had not been doing so great with their ratings, and this was real prior months before CM Punk arrived on the scene. Before Adam Cole, who kept feuding with uh, Kyle O'Reilly for some reason, left to go to AEW for obvious valid reasons. So yeah, WWE keeps getting depleted and losing members of their own roster, but you know what? That's okay. In some instances, maybe it was a good thing they get released, so if one day they come back, you never know. Alright, let's get back to the focus of SmackDown. How, you know, what, when, where, why it became a good show again. Is that a big name arena? You can't have a shit show when you get to a big name arena like Madison Square Garden, the Boston Garden, any arena that's famous for what it was famous for in the Midwest. Like, I mean, uh, the region, you know, is also important. But in the East Coast, so they have to put on a show for us picky bastards, okay? Then one of the biggest named arenas, and they, they, the WWE put on a show, and I don't know if Roman Reigns was direct, you know, directly taking a shot at AEW, but he says, "We run this building, don't we?" That was one of the that was one of the staple fronts of the promo. Is like, "We run this show, we run this city, we run Madison Square Garden." I don't know about all that, but it was catchy. It was intriguing. It was very heel-like. Rome said to acknowledge him, and the fucking fans ate that up in the East Coast. They said, we acknowledge you. Yay, woohoo, whatever. Outside of Roman Reigns? Okay, that one's a bit difficult because, like I said, the 10-man tag was probably one of my favorites. Uh, there's a lot of uh, I come in the ring and I give you my finish type shit. And the pace finally caught up. Got fixed. And here we are, folks. 
right at the end of my fucking rope with, uh, you know, SmackDown stuff. So, in my own words, if you didn't like what good old Brian Reels or Pizza Simpson had to say, yeah, I got three choice words for you. Get about it. That fucking week. Let me do that. If you didn't like what good old Brian Rails and Pizza Simpson had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Oh, yeah. And um, a few more little tidbits. I know this is way off subject. I shouldn't be talking about any other sport besides professional wrestling on a wrestling podcast, but I, I will go ahead on a limb and say this. For every Queefs fan listening to this podcast, I didn't care if I offended your little fucking egos. Two, I'm a Raider fan and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Three, if you have any problems, you can message us through Instagram, Russell underscore radio, at underscore Brian Train 5000 or Brian Rails on Twitter. Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. And before I give the actual send-off, folks, thank you to the people who have given this show a huge-ass boost and listens, okay? Thank you, Canada, India, Germany, Latvia, Indonesia, any part of Asia that's listening to this show, thank you very much. Any part of the UK, thank you so much for putting up with my random ramblings. I know I talk way too much. Not just sometimes, a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To those who listen in the United States, for those of you who haven't listened to us, shame. Shame on you. i sorry, that's copyrighted. Thank you, Dad. Oh, 90 seconds, what a boss bitch. Anyways, um... <laughs> it's it's not a real person. It's just the like two minute warning in the NFL where you know team has a certain amount of time before the show ends or the quarter ends. I have a certain amount of time before my show ends. You get the point. All right, folks, toodles, bitches. Um, it's time to go. I mean, some of us got work. I have, you know what? Enough of my fucking life story. Let's, let's, no, seriously. We got to end it. All right, toodles, bitches. Thank you for listening. Tune in this coming Wednesday or whenever's. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you.